during the time when we were taking that long unintentional break, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, well, we did not mean to take that time period off, but mm. uh, we just got really busy. Um, it, it just kind of unfortunately happens when you work a lot of hours and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. we're finally, we're back. still really busy, but like but we're, we're making back. time for it. We're busy and we're back. We're busy and back. But during the time period, I got like deep, deep in the stratosphere of weird. Cause you, and this is like something I want to go into before um, I share my story because I've been building it up for you. So hmm. when we first started this podcast, it was kind of like for fun. Like we hardcore believed in ghosts, but we were kind of a bit skeptical for other things, but we didn't, we weren't rude not willing to hear people out as the word, yeah. uh, open-minded, but we weren't really sure on a lot of different other side things. And then I just like took on, I just went down like a journey of a lot of hard evidence and sp- specific stories and stories that matched up. And I just suddenly was like, Oh my God, all this shit's real. Yeah. Yeah. I think, what was it? Two things, two things started to get us first hellier where it was really good. Yeah. Um, and I th- just thought it was really interesting how uh, at the end, John Tenney was like, the more you dig, you'll get really close to something. And then the universe or something will like throw you a bunch of curveballs and confuse the hell out of you. And it kind of like makes sense why like maybe certain things are just too hard to fully like nothing's really clean when you're talking about stuff like this. Yeah. It's never just cut and dry. This equals this, no. and this is the full story, and that's it. We may you never, never know get anyone's that. intention, and I'm including the creatures themselves, right? Because, like, anyways, I, I, I don't. But know. then paranormal caught on camera. Oh my god, that like next level changed us because yeah. there was just so much. And as I was digging into it, I found that much more hard evidence where. And, and, and I'm sorry, I'm a bit long-winded here. I'm, I'm going to get to sh- actually sharing my story, but the point is. I just got to look around at everybody that's like, I don't know if this is real. I'm like, there is so much. Like, they're like, well, if there's evidence. I'm like, there is a lot of evidence. And sometimes, now I'm somebody who's a little more of an open-minded believer, but like, there's a point where there's so many stories from people that are very clearly sound of mind and uh, have no reason to just, like of all their entire life, they're just randomly like, I had this one weird experience that I'm like, this is happening everywhere, so many repeated stories, but then there are videos and footage, footage that are out there on YouTube shown. People aren't always talking about it on a major, like, you know, sci-fi network or travel channel or something like that, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So I just look around and I'm like, yes, it's, it's real. But the part that started to make me be like, whoa, was I started to realize how weirdly connected they are and how you know, maybe a cryptid, it's really an alien, an alien's really a cryptid, and maybe they're somehow working together. I mean, it gets kind of like weird and deep, but when you start to see similar patterns show up, it's, I mean, we'll get into that, but it, it, it opened up like my mind to another level, and I'm like, okay, we're, we're now digging deeper into the weird journey. Like, <laughs> this is cool. I love this. And I think that the whole cryptid thing kind of gets, it can get tarnished because of the mainstream cryptid stuff, like finding Bigfoot. You know, yeah. like, and, and you, <laughs> you talked about working together. I think one time somebody told me that there was an episode of Finding Bigfoot where they claimed to have caught Bigfoot, but then when they went to go to the cage where Bigfoot was supposed to be, he was gone. And it was because El Chupacabra busted him out. And, like, 
maybe it could have happened, but it, it, no, the way they funny, went about though. exhibiting the really evidence, funny. you know yeah. what I mean? Anyways, um, so, uh, and I'm not trying to hate on that show. It's it's more just the, uh, it, I, what I'm trying to say is I was blown away by the things I came across, yeah. and this is one of them. So I went from somebody that was like, I don't know. I don't know if Bigfoot's real. I, I can't, the videos I've seen have often felt like not human like in a in a like it feels like someone's wearing a, a suit it feels like I mean, <laughs> sometimes it looks like that yeah. yeah it's really funny and um also i'm like really none of us have ever seen it but then more stuff came out on paranormal content on camera and other stuff i've come across that i was just like oh no they're real and this is where it gets a little weirder and maybe if you're a bigfoot fan or something like that you can let me know but i kind of am starting to have the theory that there's the potential of like maybe they can teleport through space in some way. Like maybe there's some sort of like next level kind of like fairy alien action going on here. And this is why they're never visibly seen very often. They're kind of mm-hmm. like kind of slipping in between time for a second to travel mm-hmm. because when they are seen, they seem very casual. Like they're walking around all the time, but obviously many people say they don't come across them. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. A lot of people go to places where Bigfoot is supposedly was sighted and they come up with nothing but then there's still like pictures from that place well, people were like, like I heard one crazy story where somebody was like traveling up to a ski lodge with their friend it had snowed in and there was an avalanche so the ski lodge was abandoned because mm-hmm. it no longer could be a place of business and they accidentally came upon a Bigfoot family like accidentally <laughs> And they almost had, like, a showdown with this thing because it was being aggressive and protective. And they were like, all right. And they, like, silent Because they were like, uh, (laughs) what? So, anyways, okay, so we're going to get into this story. So this is a bit of an interesting kind of, like, ooh, maybe it's, like, a cover-up type thing. But these are many different reports from people. So um, this is talking about the eruption out Mount St. Helen. This is in the state of Washington, but this is where I got, I got a little confused. I don't have an exact time frame for you because I looked it up and Mount St. Helen has exploded, erupted, I'm sorry, four times. And two of the times was in May 18th, 1980, and one was in July 10th, 2008. So I can't give uh-huh. you a clarification if what time period we're talking about. Mm. But we can assume it's within like the last like 50 years, roughly. That's the vibe I'm getting. So this is one report. Um, I, I think I got this from the website Phantom and Monsters, but it was also on that notorious site, like Bigfoot Findings or something. I, I don't know. Um, oh, okay. Anyways, but it was by a man named Fred, Fred Bradshaw. And he talked about um, reporting concerning uh, dead Bigfoot bodies near Mount St. Helens. So I have a couple stories going on. So this one's from Fred Bradshaw. My father worked for Weiner Hauser, if I'm saying this correctly, uh, co. at Green Mountain, Washington, east of Vancouver. The site has security on the roads to check on the equipment and check closed areas to keep people out. My father was working the day Mount St. Helens blew up. He was at a meeting in Kelso, Washington, and as he was a supervisor when Mount St. Helens blew its side out, all heck cut loose. (laughs) That was a way of saying it. Um, My father was sent back to Green Mountain right away, but like most, he wasn't allowed to go very far because of the mudslide coming down the river. He did get to the town of Tootle. Tootle, Tootle, Washington. Good enough for me, yeah. Good enough for the story. Tootle, Washington on Highway 504 off of I-5. He and his crew were placed at different spots to watch mud flow and, of course, help people get out of the blast zone after the major um, blew out. 
after the yeah, major blowout. He was sent to the area of Spirit Lake to keep people out. When the second major blow up of the mountain came, my father and the other guy with him reported in, and they got out of there. He was then placed in charge of the helicopter landing zone. It was his job to help people out of the landing zone and let aid crews in so they could care for injured. Later, when all the people were out and bodies out, the National Guard um, brought was brought. Sorry if it sounds a little judged. Sometimes the writing's a little yeah. It's all right. Um, was brought in to clean up. They hauled dead animals out that they placed in piles, deer in one, elk in another, and so on. They were covered up with tarps and later burned. And my fa- but my father was placed in charge of one pile of dead that were covered and no one was allowed to go near. Armed U.S. National Guard personnel were around this pile. And one day, when they, and this again, this is always, these are stories from people that usually are in the army, they're in sound of mind, they right. have no reason to make this stuff up, and they're pointing out in this particular story that, like, why are people of such high level... Guarding a dead pile. A dead pile of, yeah, that's um, crazy. Yeah. Personal, were around this pile. And one day, when they were going to move this group of bodies, and my father was very close to it and was told to keep his mouth shut. And when the tarps were removed, he saw the creatures, some badly burned, some not. They placed them in a net and lifted them in a truck and covered it over. My father asked the guardsman, what will they do with them? And he said, study them or whatever. He didn't want to know. He says it like other things, you don't ask and off they went. And no one knows what happened to them. My father and the rest were debriefed and sent home. What the fuck? Yeah. That makes me think that they were like government experiments or something. Now, this is where it gets... We're going to go into a whole conversation after this, but this is where it gets kind of interesting about people's intentions with these creatures, what their intentions were, so on and so forth. Um, this was a comment story posted underneath this person's mm-hmm. uh, story under... So the, the website was called BigfootEvidence.com that I was like, whoa, you just changed the game for me. So... Um, or anyways, this blew my mind about how Bigfoot could be uh, viewed and that there might be potentially different kinds of Bigfoots and so on and so forth. Or is, that, or is that Bigfoot that's a product of, like, government testing? So they, like, you know, genetically engineered or altered some other animal. That's possible, but I think it was a creature that they went to go study and find out about. Hmm. But that being said, so th- this almost seems like kind of a little bit grotesque, like taking a creature, studying it kind of a little bit like I mean they are I mean they were already dead but still yeah, that's it's like, disrespectful and course. also makes you wonder maybe they made it look like an eruption they yeah. took them you never yeah. know you I don't want to allegedly um, so this is the comment under that story I was reading about some stories about Saint, uh, Mount St. Helen on the message boards and wanted to share this one I only ask that you withhold my name I was a National Guardsman at the Mount St. Helen site, and this is the first time I ever spoken about what I saw firsthand. I lived in uh, Spokane, uh, Washington, and was 24 at the time this all took place. I have read some of the other stories, and they only tell part of the story. I was placed on a special cleanup crew farther up the mountain. A large tent was set up, and it was... It was B... <laughs> It was be guarded by. Oh, it was to be guarded. Uh, it was yeah, to be I guess. guarded by armed soldiers who were not part of the guard. They were nu- there were numerous soldiers on the scene that were not members of the guard, which is interesting. We were given a briefing by a soldier who said that after he spoke to us, we would forget about him and what he said at the end of the mission. 
And can you imagine these people are like, um, I'm not prepared for this shit. Um, yeah. This was strange, but then again, I guess it's what being a soldier is. Um, yeah, but he, I mean, you don't, I don't know. I don't think that someone who signs up for the National Guard is prepared to be entrusted with a government secret. They're not secret. next level CIA Area 51, yeah, like next no, level there. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's crazy. This was strange as we never dealt with anything like this before. Myself and four other guardsmen were told to follow a group of soldiers and not to speak to each other and to remain very quiet overall. We were told to get into a jeep and wait. We sat in the jeep for maybe half an hour. I would suck on this adventure. I, I go peace <laughs> um, I'm like, can I take another break? <laughs> Eventually, another jeep arrived carrying a civilian and another member of the military. The civilian was brought into the tent, and he emerged a few minutes later, followed by a large, hairy creature. Oh, my God. It looked like a large man covered in fur, and the best way to describe it, it was like Beast from X-Men, only brown. The creature looked to have some burns and a bandage on its arm. At first, we were afraid, but when it walked by, we could see its eyes, and it just looked very sad and somber. He climbed into the back of a pickup with the civilian, and the two were speaking in a weird language, right? I had never heard. It coughed a few times. We followed the truck at different areas. There were five total stops. Each time we stopped, we were told to follow the civilian and the creature. Each time we followed them to rocky areas where there were caves. The creature would make a sound and then listen. At the first area, he made a sound, and we all just waited in silence. After a few minutes, this creature looked at the civilian and then at the ground. The civilian, at one point, touched its shoulder and called for a canteen to give the creature a drink. The same thing happened at the next area, but this time, there was a response to the sound. After a few minutes, two soldiers emerged from the cave carrying a ba badly burned creature, just like the one like the civilian, with the civilian. The creature bent down next to it and looked at it for about five minutes. It then spoke softly with the civilian. It turned and walked this cry. It turned and walked back to the truck, and we were told to follow as we were walking away we heard a shot, and we knew it was one of the soldiers putting the creature out of its misery. Oh my god. There were no because remember, if this was an eruption, because um, this is a volcano, the, uh, uh, they between burns probably air suffocate uh, like poisoning whatever it's called when you have too much uh, smoke in your lungs and stuff like that it, yeah unfortunately um, there was no response uh, uh, there was no response at the third or fourth site but at the fifth site with another return sound to the creature this time it was different soldiers carried out a creature with a badly burned left leg we were then ordered to all help get a very large stretcher from the truck and to help place the creature on it and carry it back to the truck. We then immediately returned to the base camp. The creature was carried into the tent with the other creature, and the civilian spoke. We were ordered to stay in the jeep until we were to be debriefed. As the creature turned to walk into the tent, it looked at us and made a waving gesture with its hand. We took it as a thank you for what we had done. By the time we were ordered out of the jeep, we were all in shock. We were called out to an area to be debriefed, and it was just strange. I will never forget what he was said because it was just not what was expected. I thought I would hear, you took an oath and now you just live up to it for your country with a threat also implied. A different high-ranking soldier just said, look, 
Do you all really want an explanation? You saw what we were doing. These creatures live in these areas. They mean no harm and want to be left alone. Do you mm. really want to do anything that may cause them trouble? Mm. They are like us in a lot of ways. And if you need or want to talk about this, just wait about 30 years. By that time, there will likely be no reason to keep them a secret. We were then ordered back to the guard camp because they were breaking it up, so nobody saw too much and knew everything that happened. We did not speak of it, and after a few moments, or months, sorry, I just took the attitude that these things live out there, and honestly, my life is so different because of it. I only bring it up now because people have been writing a lot about me at Mount St. Helen, and I believe that the whole story should be told. I will also say this. I liked it. Is that our cats? Yep. <laughs> I will also say this. Um, I like to camp and hike, but have done so, and have done so many times throughout the Northwest. Every time, I would look for signs and these creatures and tracks and listen for sounds, etc. I never saw or heard anything other than what I saw at Mount St. Helen. That is crazy. It is absolutely, and the last story I'm not going to read because it's, um, no offense to the storyteller, but it's like way too much detail yeah. about the Air Force and that, um, long story short, these people were on the Air Force. They were asked to guard an area that they were not, um, they said they didn't even know where they were. They said it was extremely unusual as an Air Force, like a pilot, that they were given guns and told to not let anyone in the area, just considering like... <laughs> that wasn't their professional, like, what they would be used for. And uh, they weren't told where they were. They had no idea where they were. And they said they saw somebody coming in and out with a doctor wearing, like, a coat. And their hands were in a pocket. And they were, like, disguising themselves. But they were, like, huge. Like, really tall. Really wide. And they were, the like, for, like, the eight or nine days they were there, they were the only people. And they can't help but, because this was, again, Mount St. Helen and certain descriptions, they wonder if that was the creature. So that's, like, a skim note of that. Mm. Um, by the way, did you not think it was weird when he says, the person said, there'd be no reason to keep it a secret? Do you think he was implying, like, oh, those creatures would have lived and died? That's what think, I want to know. Or do you think he's implying, like, kind of the idea that he thinks that maybe in three years everyone will just know about Bigfoot and it'll be kind of like... That's what I was kind of thinking. Right? Because, um... And why does he think that? Just prediction? Yeah. Or was it some government, like, choice that they were going to one day share it? Well, didn't you say... That you were watching something about aliens. Oh, do you want me to share this? Yes. Okay, so if this freaked me kind of out, I can't remember who was the... Was it Val, maybe? No, it wasn't Val, um, which I cannot wait to talk about Val. I love Val. I'm Next like a Val episode. Um, but it was, it was a person who has written a movie. It's something to do with... Oh, the, the, the guy who wrote the original Men in Black, like the first one. That's what it was. Oh, he okay, cool. About, so recently they came out with that footage where there was the, like, it was from air pilots, like, capturing on video footage the unidentified flying object, and they're all, like, freaking... It's kind of cute. It's kind of like the perfect people to capture because instead of them being, like, just purely terrified they're obviously geeks for planes they're like car oh people yeah for yeah planes. so yeah. they're like having fun being like look at it go like they're Tra like, probably trying to figure out how how it's that's the thing about you, ufos is like how is this moving they're, they're <laughs> how like is this can working? i hang out and see your spaceship so yeah. i thought that was really cute but um the idea is that he believed that because this is being put on a major platform and allowed putting quotes because like let's be real it's being allowed this information's always been out there but it's being allowed 
he was fearful that maybe they're letting it out because they're slowly preparing us for like a much bigger thing. And that does terrify me. Maybe that's what that, that's what I'm wondering if that's what that guy was referencing. Maybe because it never came I, to fruition, I, but that really, was the plan. Well, maybe it's going to. If So we're, we're approaching 40 years from that 1980 volcanic eruption. So the guy said, wait at least 30 years. Maybe he was a little off. But we have been seeing more, you know, videos and pictures of different creatures now than we have before. And they're yeah. more credible. So maybe I'm hoping that's what he meant, like... In 30 years, you won't have a reason to keep it a secret because by then people will know or will start to be will start to be more knowledgeable or maybe it'll be that whole hidden in plain sight thing where there's going to be so much, so much out there that the powers that be won't really care if you talk about it because it might a lot of people won't believe you. I'm tired of hearing people going, oh my god, have you seen this footage? I'm like, have you not seen the footage that's been coming up for the last, like, 50 years? What the yeah. hell are you talking about? There's been, there's been photographs of aliens, like, dating back to the 1950s. I really hope like, he... I mean, UFOs specifically, sorry, not aliens, but... Anyways, but... I, the, I really hope that he wasn't talking about them being extinct. I don't oh, think so. No, no, no. I was referring to a generational thing. Yeah. Like, they would have lived, their kids would have been gone, you know what I mean, kind of thing. Like, um, But what did you think about... Now... I, I mean, a, a colony of Bigfoots no, living no, no. in Mount St. Helen. I love language. it. Oh, no, that that is pretty incredible. I, I, I have, that means so many different theories. Is it? I mean, okay. So can I open up I what I was trying to say to you before we even did this podcast? I was, I was like, I was like, oh, yeah. I have a statement to say to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when we normally think of um, Bigfoot, or not think of, rather, when I've come across different stories, you get a huge variety. A large amount of them are... <laughs> sorry, I can hear our cats fighting in the background. Um, you, a large amount of them um, are... Uh, so sorry, I'm blanking from the cats fighting. Oh, uh, a lot of them are quite violent. Um, yeah, they're like mean str- Bigfoots. Like, they see you and they're like, hey. Like, no reason, pop out of nowhere, attack your car. Um, yeah. one was Try really, to break into the house. One was really scary. Stuff. It was like stalking at someone's house, like, all the way into the morning. And another was really scary, where it was kind of similar to the... It's like a famous term. It's like the hob something goblin. Hobgoblin? You know what I'm talking about from Kentucky, that famous story? Oh, no. Hobgoblins, I don't think... I think hobgoblins are from Britain. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like the goblins in Kentucky. No, there's a... a, uh, The green goblins or whatever. No, no, no. But in Kentucky, not the story from Hellsier. There was the original ones. There's called like hob something goblins because the city they were in was called hob something. Oh. That's what I'm referring to. Oh, cool. Well... I can tell you that story. That one's crazy too. But th- this is a very similar thing where I've heard stories of, um, you can call them Bigfoots, uh, Sasquatches, whatever. Uh, like literally five of them stalking a house and like trying to be extremely. Were like, they trying like, to take the child? Like they were like uh, that was another story of yeah. a lone one trying to take a child because it might have lost its own. That's a little evil and more sad and confusing. Yeah, mm-hmm. still fucked up though. Or or you hear a lot of stories where Bigfoots are kind of like they don't give a shit and they're just kind of walking around and like even if you're like hey they're just kind of like they look around they see you they're like what's up and there's that one thing on paranormal caught on camera where it looks like a bigfoot and then it becomes like a bird and then it becomes like a panther and then it becomes like a human and then it's back to bigfoot and it disappears are you talking about skinwalker that's a totally different story no but like it wasn't though it was like 
they were in the desert and that was a skinwalker. Yes, but it looked but it looked like a Bigfoot at one point. Like it had that look. For a while it looked like a big like ape type thing for a second. Well, I didn't take it that way. I thought it turned into like a wolf kind of humanoid looking thing. That was one of the things. It was like it was like five or six different things before it disappeared. Yes, but for me that just feels like a, a separate cryptid story, but that's yeah. fine. It's still an interesting story. But anyways, the point I'm trying to say with the language situation going on is you get so many different things going on. Now I'm wondering, is there a potential where there's some Bigfoots where they've got a language, a civilization, they're living in nature, they're having lives, they're having spouses, they're, there's some sort of like... Family, tribes. Next level intelligence. Things like that. And then there's some that are more animalistic. Or there's hmm. some that are like, maybe they're intelligent, but they're really terrible and mean. Um, I've heard stories, which is really interesting. This is also a conversation from, I don't know if it's big, a paranormal con uh, footage or tape or whatever, but I saw one where there was, there's a particular mountain and I think it's next to Mount Everest or something like that, but no one's actually climbed it, which is weird because it's shorter than Mount Everest. Mm -hmm. And there's a really nutso story where essentially people were, I don't know if they were intending to climb it all the way. This is like... I want to say like 20 years ago or something like that, they, when they were found, their tent had been ripped open in a unconventional sense, considering they were just, um, they were just on a mountain. And when they were found, their eyes and lips had been ripped out of their face and attacked. Yeah. Oh my God. And they had clearly, and they said from the evidence there, there was, it was a particularly bad blizzard when they were hiding in the tent at that time period. So something must have scared or attacked them enough to physically leave the tent mm-hmm. in this type of weather. And then they even scattered because they were in such fear. They didn't run together. And then they all individually got attacked and brutally attacked. And um, part of me wonders if, and this is the conversation they brought up, that because no one's able to get to the top of this mountain, that maybe some like yetis are like protecting like there's something magical up there and they're like do not pass this is our crew and that could be something sacred to them like kind of religious that could be something truly actually magical maybe they're best friends with aliens and the aliens are like don't let them up here we're working on stuff or it could be that they're just really territorial and that's their area. Yeah, but to pick a mountain and so actively say get that. Because when other territorial conversations have come up with, again, Bigfoot and Sasquatches mm-hmm. for me reading my stories, it's usually they're with a family or they're frightened they're going to do something and they're letting you know to back up out of their area. But they're quite nomadic. Right. They usually don't stay anywhere too long. So do you see what I'm saying? So uh, based on all the things that you said, I think there's a few things that I'm thinking. One... What we call Bigfoot could could contain a multitude of different subspecies. Well, maybe that's not the proper term, but there could be multiple different types of things. Yeah, there could be multiple different types of creatures that we all label Bigfoot or Sasquatch or whatever. But maybe they're like totally, and they could be totally like different. Like and humans. Like, they could have a similar relationship like that, or it could be kind of like a similar relationship to chihuahuas and pit bulls. Mm -hmm. They're both dogs, but they're totally different. So some could have totally different personalities. I know there's been lots of stories in Arkansas with Bigfoot-type things, um, but the Pacific Northwest is is like a hotbed for that stuff. So maybe the ones in Mount St. Helen are, are a type of what we call a Bigfoot that is more advanced 
um, more family oriented. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that complex language tells me a couple things. Not complex language, but the the, the unknown language. Which I'm like, it, how does it tells me they're, they're, Was he they're, raised by Bigfoot? Well, so that's what I'm getting to. They could have developed it on their own, right? Because maybe they're of a maybe they're of a certain level of intelligence, like Neanderthals. They did have some basic language skills. They even made music and art. Neanderthals are they not that. They did the Metatron cube before. It yeah. Was a, which still fucking blows my mind because when they did the Metatron cube, they did it on a, a round circuit, so it looks like a soccer ball. And when they were doing it, they did it with perfect straight lines. So, I mean, like, we're talking about advanced I mean, We forget that Neanderthals and humans, Homo sapiens, coexisted for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Which is why most people, no offense intended, but most people of Northern European ancestry do have a slight bit of Neanderthal in them. Mm-hmm. Like, between 1 and, <coughs> 1 and 4%. Like, a very small amount. But it's a thing. Um, so they could be of that level of intelligence or... So there's, like, military, I guess. There has to be some military base somewhere near Mount St. Helen or something like that for the military to be there. I like that there. Maybe. It kind of made me view, you know, like I said, where we know a lot of our military when it comes to aliens are like, shoot down that UFO, shoot that UFO, let me do experiments on the UFO, what's the deal with that UFO? With this, it was really nice that they were like, listen, we're not going to talk about it, we're going to leave them alone, we're going right. to help. I like that it kept referring to them as a citizen. Like, it but, was really nice. So my thing is... Was it possible that certain members of the government sort of found these creatures and have been sort of working with them? Maybe they developed that language maybe together. Maybe they don't even tell the main part of the government. Maybe they're maybe even not. more... Like, know. maybe there's, like, a it's branch like that within hidden, it. Well, the men in black thing. It's like a hidden branch. But, like, I'm wondering if maybe they developed this language with the creatures over a long period of time of sort of building a rapport with them. Or maybe... And I want to know, like, how did that start? Or, That's an interesting Or they spend an equally long period of time learning this language from the creatures. Because it might not be the most complicated language, so it might not take as long to learn because there might not be a lot of, like, grammar or, you know, masculine and feminine pronouns, like, complicated stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, tenses... Yeah. They might not really have all that. Um, and, it, you know, when you think about it, like when people from different corners of the world met, somehow they learned each other's language. Somehow. Somehow there were people over here in what was considered the new world learning English and Spanish mm-hmm. and French. And, like not very many of them did, but there was always a few. That had to happen somehow. So however that happened, however people can do that, they may have done that with the Bigfoots. I, I need to know that story because I would be just so interested to know, like, how did you... Like, remember that documentary I showed you where the guy made friends with this, like, African tribe, but it was, like, the first white person they'd ever fucking yeah. seen? And... The guy was, like, terrified, but over time, they became such good friends. It was adorable. He, like, 
his like the tribe was kind of nomadic so it would be like everyone would kind of like come out of the brush and just kind of like come together and it was so sweet he like came and brought all of them vaccines for their babies and like gave them some food and then it was like bye nice meeting you i'll never see you again because you live in the rainforest yeah like bye but it was and they're like, always moving too but what i'm saying is like i, I want to know that encounter and i also would love to know like how did you come into it did you maybe as a young child for whatever weird reason, were raised by or knew Bigfoot. Oh, raised by the Bigfoots, yeah. You never know. You never know. There's, there's always a weird story going the on. The story was so sad, too. He was just looking for the rest of his friends. And you know what's so sad? That it sounds like a lot of them died. Yeah. So they can't even get proof. The ones they did find, they were like, okay, he's not going to make it. And thankfully, they did save one, and they made it better. But, but like, I mean... It, they made it almost like it, it, it leaves me with questions of being like is this just your other Bigfoot friends so again this becomes a civilization conversation they're not that territorial they have neighbors mm. but two what if that was like his cousin in another you know one thing his sister in another like Never know. they all kind of like live near each other but have their own space then that comes becomes a conversation of oh wow they like space and they have they have yeah. you know they have like some sort of understanding of like a house and sort of um i can't think of the word it's like when you're advanced like societally oh, no. you, like like mentally you know animals tend to just be like we're all together in a cave whatever but as humans it's like i want my own space and respect and da, da, da. there's like a certain social advancement is what i was gonna say yeah yeah i know so, what you mean i just think that's so cool i mean the so. fact that he just got in the car yeah he they got must have been he, like he must have been pretty good first of all he wasn't afraid of the Jeep. It's something he's seen yeah. before. Second of all, he wasn't distrusting of the guy. He just, like, got in. So there had to be some sort of rapport there. I like the point he said, like, do you really want, like, and, and it's true. This type of stuff happens when people learn about a certain thing. Then people flock to that area, and it can cause, it can cause, like, just the worst. That's the only thing. If you are, like, a Bigfoot fan, please just, like, leave them alone. Like, if you like them and respect them, maybe just don't go looking for them in your proof. Part of me think wishes it was a publicly known thing, and we kind of, like, cut off a section of the forest. One, that'd be an excuse to save more forest yeah. and, like, land. But it would be like, just don't go in there. We let them do their thing. It's hard to control what people will do. After Carlos Castaneda wrote his possibly true, possibly false book, about shamanism, uh, I think it was like Don Juan and a Yiki way of knowledge. Um, a lot of people that were a big part Don't of cover the your face of the oh yeah, a lot of people that are a big part of the hippie movement went down to this very rural, remote part of Mexico to just kind of get fucked up on ayahuasca without any sort of plan, plan without any sort of respect for the culture or respect for the actual religious the purposes process, that it had yeah. or any of it. And they, they just, like, they, they put that area on the map in, like, a bad way. Like, it, was, it just brought a bad element into that area. It was a really negative consequence. So I guess it's sometimes you don't want the word to get out too much about certain things because it could ruin the sanctity. We have to find a way to um, be able to communicate to each other better so that we can say, like, listen, let's have nice things but try to find a, a level of respect because I, part of me wants to, like, leave those people alone forever and let, let them live their life. But the other part of me is like, well, that's how we grow as a whole because yeah. everyone's got something to teach someone else. This is a side note. We can go back to the Bigfoot thing if you want to, but I wanted to just take a moment to ha- ask your opinion on the whole like trending topic of the storming Area Fifty One thing. I want to know. Oh, yeah, what, what is think. going on there? People are hanging outside Area Fifty One. 
apparently Lucas Crookshanks talked about it on his podcast with his brother, and he's thinking that somehow it got picked up because, like, the next week it was, like, trending on Twitter or something like that. So what's going on? I don't really even know. Oh, okay. So essentially, um, everyone signed this petition. It, it got pretty big. Oh, a petition to, like... Um, Storm Area 51, because they think that, the idea is that oh. because everyone keeps getting stopped and there's the potential of getting shot or arrested, or there's a lot of stuff going on with these mysterious white vans that pop up out So are of people going to do it? Are people going to storm Area 51? I don't know, but the idea is that if there's so many people coming in at once there is the possibility to potentially get in there. I'm thinking two things. One... That sounds really dangerous. I really would be so scared for anyone to get shot because they will yeah. do it. They can say they can You're do trespassing it. or whatever. Two, it it's the internet. If they're watching this petition and everyone agrees on the 10th, they're going to be there with extra armed forces The 10th, the 10th of 10th. August? No, no, I'm making a date up. Oh. And then, <laughs> you know... Yeah, you're right. And then in addition to that, you got to get past security codes... Unless you successfully get the swipe thing, and then the, there's the tunneling through polyethylene. Yeah, they're not. Of, you can't you know, strong rooms. arm your way through these buildings. I mean, it's security You're not gonna pass get after in. security pass after security pass. I we love. We basically need a Rambo alien lover to like get in there and get the job. I done. love the sentiment, but I I would hate if anybody got hurt or killed. Yeah. I mean, kind of sounds like fun in a way, though. To just kind of be outside Area 51. Yeah, it sounds fun. I want to go see it. I don't want to go to Las Vegas. What I want to do is just go to all the tourist trap alien stores near Area 51. If you guys need two um, really great documentaries that will help um, you kind of get into the alien mood, like legitimately, not this shit where they keep building it up for an hour and a half and nothing happens and it's like bullshit evidence. Um, the two I would recommend is the one by Unacknowledged. It's called Unacknowledged. It's on Netflix. And I can't... I'm so sorry. I can't not remember. The, the Bob Lazar documentary, but I don't know the, the name of it. That's the other one I was going to mention. But the first one I mentioned with Unacknowledged, the gentleman is like oh. doctor something something. I can't remember. But he is like seven... And I'm not exaggerating. He has like seven PhDs. He's an extremely accomplished and intelligent man. And he's been aware with and working with the government and aliens. And I don't mean like talking about it a theory what, what's the guy Tom I don't know something the, I'm sorry the the blink 182 guy I think oh whatever. Tom DeLong. yeah yeah, yeah. <sighs> he, he's not a guy who he's just, not Tom DeLong. he's not a guy who just likes aliens and thinks it's cool this gentleman has lots of FBI evidence uh, photographs videos proof so on and so forth so the, yeah. the this guy um, a, a lot of uh, stuff where they've dug up bodies and stuff like that from aliens from prehistoric times lots of cool stuff it's a lot of evidence a lot of proof, a lot of interviews with super high-up generals, and I think you will really be blown away at just them being like, yep, totally happened, I was there, I saw it, X, yeah. Y, and Z. And the other one is the Bob Lazar one that just came out. That was very satisfying, Bob Lazar really just going into depth, showing how he's still, unfortunately, under some sort of watch or endangerment. I was blown away by two things in that documentary. This is a side note. Him drawing and explaining how UFOs travel. Like, this, I mean, there's so many different aliens. I think... The ones that he came and, like, I, I think in the documentary, uh, I, uh, that doctor, I looked him up in an interview, and he said there's, right now that they know of, there's 32 different species of aliens that they're aware of. Um, so this is just one kind of UFO and why it's traveling. But this particular UFO, he explains how it worked and what it looked like. 
And then the other one was um, talking about element 115 and that it was something that they discovered and that apparently, and this, where, where I was sitting here going, okay, whatever, what element 15, I'm, like, I'm sorry, I don't, know, I don't know what this means, but when they talked about element 115 having the ability to affect gravity, I was like, all right, whoa, game changer. We've got a weird thing going on. So definitely check out both of those. They're really good. So that's a side note. Anyways, I'd love to hear your story. Well, mine's sort of cryptid, sort of not. Um, and last week, not last week, last episode was cat-related, and so is this episode. But Vincent's not. Vincent's in the other room. And to be honest, I'm not sure Vincent would get along with these cats. I oh, think he'd okay. be I think he'd be kind of afraid. I'm excited. <laughs> so they're so like today, cat cryptids kind of thing? Kind of. Yes. Kind of no. Kind of it's I the, the reason why I like this story is because it's a little bit of everything as far as cats are concerned. Face the mic a little bit. Now. I'm I'm yeah. Okay. So it makes a difference. I'm talking about British big cats or Referred to as alien big cats, these are phantom cats and mystery fan- mystery cats that have been spotted in Britain but are not native to Britain. <laughs> Things like panthers, pumas, big big unidentified black cat- cats, Eurasian lynxes, all kinds of things that they don't that aren't from Britain at all. Oh wait, that two, don't live there. Two, two things. One, they. Many centuries ago, they lived there, and somehow it's their ghost. Two, um, the like the magical spirit animal of that species hanging out. I what you know it? what? That's interesting. Those are just and theories. I will tell you, there's a few theories based on these cats that are held by lots of different people. So cryptozoologists believe that Britain has been secretly supporting populations of leopards and European lynxes and other wild cats for thousands of years. Why? I don't know. But okay. Why they do it? I don't know. Why they think it? Because people have seen them and because this assertion is supported by folklore. There have been, since the very, very, very early days of people writing down stories... It's really common to hear stories like from the 1700s, the 1600s of big wild cats in Britain. Britain has never had any wild cats actually live there. But there's stories of these wild cats. Some people think that these cats were demons made in the form of big cats or shape-shifting witches. Um, I'm all here for the witches. Also, some some theorists believe that these are actually animals that survived through the Stone Age that uh, scientists believed died out, but the scientists are wrong and that they actually survive. When they're seen in Britain, are they seen in a suburban sense or a rural well, sense? I'll tell you. So one of the first stories is uh, by writer William Cobbett in his... <laughs> book Rural Rides. He explains that as a boy in the 1760s, he saw a big, as about as big as a middle-sized spaniel dog, cat, climb into a hollow elm tree. And then he later saw what he could only be described as a North American lynx or a lucifer. And it seemed to... Um, just be... 
Hold on. Take what is time. he saying? And it seemed to me to be such a cat as I had seen at Waverly. Why do people talk so fucking weird? Uh, for, forget that comment. I don't know what the hell he was saying in that. But anyway, he saw this. He saw this cat, and it was. It, it made an impression on him. I don't know what he meant by that. St- like, it's what? okay. I know that's why I get tripped up too. You know what? You know sometimes people incorrect. People don't proofread. People no. That was probably perfectly grammatically correct. It's just that like British English in like the 1800s or 1700s is so different than mm-hmm. how people speak and write today that yeah. sometimes it's like confusing. Yeah. Like I remember in high school and people would be like, oh, can somebody translate this? Like Shakespeare. And my, and my teacher would be like, it's, a, it's the same language. But it doesn't feel like it. So in 1980, a puma was captured in Inverness, Shire, Scotland. Then after that That's capture, how they said that in yeah. my head, I was weirdly thinking of Outlander, and I thought, oh, wouldn't that be weird if they had like a puma pop in? That's so weird you said that. I yeah, was pumas. I mean, what is a puma doing out there? Um, after that capture, there were numerous sightings in the area of a big cat matching the description of the one that was captured. Which <gasps> do you remember to, the fucking? Oh my god, my brain what? just. Do you remember the fucking? Uh, was it a lion, a mountain lion? It was, like, from the zoo, and it was in our town. Do you remember that? Do you no. not remember this? No. I would have been... I remember um, when there was a bear. I would have been... At, no, 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 no. This escaped from the Philadelphia Zoo, and it was spotted by all of the, uh, like, wealthy people home. Like a fucking lion? Like, it was either a mountain lion or a lion, but it was specifically... They, it, they recognized it oh, from the zoo. Wait a minute. It was a mountain lion. It was I like, remember. And do you remember? Because you know why? I was in, uh, I think I was like in biology or something like that. Some one of those classes. And somebody who was, no, I would have been younger. I would have been like, maybe like a sophomore. Somebody yeah. who was a year older than me was like, oh my God. And I was like, what? They were like, apparently at the time that it was spotted in the area was, they were like, I was running there. Like last <laughs> night at that time. That's funny. They could have been. Pounds and do you remember there was like a curfew because and I remember looking like not looking at you because I was sure you weren't there at the time but I remember thinking like are you serious like why is this happening I do remember that after all these different sightings um, a local farmer named Ted Noble actually made his own trap but when the animal was captured zoo director uh, Eddie Orbell concluded that the animal had definitely been domesticated for some time after interacting with it and that it enjoyed being tickled. So that leads to the theory that a lot of these a lot of these ABCs or BBCs uh, escape from zoos. Some are actually owned by people that uh, illegally bought them and then they escape. Oh well that feels because we've been we've been to um, we have a, a zoo and that's Almost every animal there was one, at one time owned by some person that couldn't take care of it because, like, yeah. there's a reason why people aren't supposed to the buy saddest, monkeys and shit. The saddest is the monkey that had a great relationship with the family and for whatever reason got territorial and no one attacked him. And then the sad part was they had to... She put, wanted to move up. She wanted to move up. But the sad part was that <laughs> when they had to, like, for danger of themselves, put her away, they still love her and, like, visit her and bring her treats. But she looks so depressed because she was like, oh, where's my family? I'm like, well, honey, you can't rip off the person's head. You can't head. try to attack... You can't... I think she was trying to attack the. Um, There's nowhere to move up. She was trying to attack the wife, so but that she no could be the head woman oh of the family. <laughs> Poor mom. That's like that's why monkey logic 
and human logic, although in many ways the same, mm-hmm. I feel like monkey logic is just human logic way more literally. Like, I remember there's this one guy who was, like, really That's good friends with, with, the, with the gorilla, I think it was. And the gorilla was um, able to communicate with him through a little talking board. Oh, you and, told me this! And, yeah, I'll just say it for the story because it's a good story. Daytime. And this one woman came in and started yelling at another uh, employee of the zoo that he really liked. And so he got mad. So he told the guy, if you don't bite her, you know, I'm going to be upset. And the guy was like, I can't do that. And he was I'm like, not going to bite her. If you don't bite her, I'm going to bite you. And he was like, I, it's not how things work. I can't bite. I can't bite her. <laughs> he broke out of his cage one time, went to the guy's office and fucking bit him. And then... Did he take a finger or something? No, he just bit him. Okay. But he bit him, and that's all he did. He didn't kill him. He was, like... It's very intentional. Like, I just... Like, I told you to bite her. You didn't, so I'm going to bite you. I love the idea that he bites him, right? The guy's freaking out, and then he just leans back and sits in the corner. He's like, <laughs> I bit you. <laughs> he bit him, and then he walked away, and the guy was upset, and it was all infected, did and he-, he had to take time off work, and when he... It had been, like, nine months since he saw the monkey, and... At one point, he got a message and it said that the monkey said he was sorry. So he went over to see the monkey and the monkey was crying and he was like so sad and regretful. He can't bite me. I won't come around. It's so hard to explain to an animal. Like if I do that, like I could end up in prison. I could lose my job. They don't know what that means. They're like, I'm in prison. It's just like, (laughs) I know, yeah. This is in prison. I get get treats. So it's so more. But but here's the thing (laughs) about the ABCs. There's so fucking many of them. It's BBC, weird. Alien big cats or oh. BBCs, British big cats. Oh There's God. so many of them. That's, that's why. Though. That's why I'm like talking about it because it's not just that one puma. In 1989, a jungle cat was hit by a car. In 1991, a Eurasian lynx was shot in Norfolk. It had killed around 15 sheep within two weeks. But the story wasn't reported until 2003. Wow. You know what's weird? Okay, can I point out something that you just made a point? So there is the potential that people own these animals illegally. That can totally happen. But that that many of them get out loose it's and really it's weird. not discussed or hunted after. Like, I that doesn't, like, maybe in a few cases that could have weirdly been the case. And but I think you make a good point. Where the hell are So for whatever from? reason, the story wasn't released until. 12 years after it happened. Yeah. And then in 2006, after years of people thinking it was a hoax, the police confirmed that it was probably true and that it was an escapee from a facility in that area that bred animals, including Eurasian lynxes. Why is there a facility breeding Eurasian lynxes in the UK? Yeah, that's That doesn't make any sense. Um, In 1994, it was reported that a large cat with leopard pattern fur had been shot in the Isle of Wight after killing some chickens and ducks. Um, that animal was an ocelot or a serval. You know serval? Those African wildcats? No, I'm not familiar with the way they look. But you know that they are, like, African wildcats? No, I don't know that. That's they're. what they are. Wow. I think, they're, I think they're the kind of cats that if you breed the wild out of them enough, oh, yeah, you can have them as like house smaller. cats. But on My Cat from Hell, a lot of people would own them that weren't bred out enough, so they'd be crazy. They have to be five generations five, yeah. out for, before they can, like, kind of chill out. So in 1996, too, in Northern Ireland, um, a cat was again shot for, you know, just being in danger. 
and it was reportedly a caracal, which is a medium-sized wildcat species found in Africa and Asia. In 2001, a young female Eurasian lynx was captured alive by police and vets in Cricklewood, North London, after a chase across a school playing field and into a block of flats. Now, is that not crazy? This cat ran through a school playing field and an apartment complex Can before you, it was captured. Can you imagine the little baby's like, ah! So, there's actually a scientist. Did I ever tell you one time I was, um, when I went to college, the college I went to was spread out amongst many campuses, and the I was on the bus to go to another campus, and I look out my window and I have a perfect perspective, and this particular campus... Um, you could see it straight down buildings on either side. And I, I swear to God, one in the afternoon, an enormous buck just... And keep in mind, this was kind of like somewhat of a city. It wasn't near any woods. Yeah. Full on just kind of doing that weird... You know deers like prance? <laughs> down the middle of it. And oh like God. some people hadn't turned around and seen it yet. But huge antler. It was ginormous. It was like bigger than most of the people. I mean, it was hu- I didn't realize bucks were so big. And I literally am just like, what the hell? Or that raccoon. Remember the, the time I was riding my bike? And the yeah. raccoon that came up to me and we like, we biked, we stayed and biked together. It was magical. <laughs> One time when I saw an otter. That was cool. Are you kidding me? Of course. I know. Oh, a coyote one time. That was scary. Those are freaky. Yeah. Deer are impressive. Have you noticed you I don't really tend to see buck around here very often. Yeah. Like either ladies. babies or doe. It's almost like they have them go out and like look for shit. I don't I don't know what the bucks are doing cuz they don't eat meat. They it's only like eat grass. <laughs> but deer are impressive where they can go. Yeah. Like they if you see like a little bit of forest in the middle of a highway, there could be a deer hang out in there. They they travel pretty far and they'll go kind of wherever. Yeah. Um, That's such a weird so story. There's, but, th- but this is really interesting. There's actually a scientist who's very invested in research. He's be. not a cryptozoologist, not, not against cryptozoologists, but he's not a cryptozoologist in that he's not concerned about whether they're descendants from the Ice Age. He's not concerned about whether they're aliens, and he's not concerned about uh, whether they're demons. He really is sort of interested in how many of these cats there are and what they are. And how they got there. So after a bunch of sightings, scientist Rick Minter revealed that he's seen five conclusive videos of big cats in the UK and believes that there is a breeding population of around 250 across the country. In other words, enough cats have escaped zoos, private ownership, and whatnot, found each other, found a way to, to survive and adapt to the climate, <laughs> and are now fucking and having That's babies. That's nuts! I feel terrified! He says they're mostly American mountain lions and black panthers. No. In Britain specifically, though, we're talking? In the UK. So all across the UK. UK, if you're listening, watch out. (laughs) Watch out. Um, you thought he you told the Daily to the Star online, which is what this where this article's from, that, that some snippets of big cats have been caught on trail cameras or camera traps, and several of these he shows at his talks. He does little talks around. Um, other bits are not as clear, but there's clearly some sort of cats. He thinks that a lot of this information is being suppressed, that it could deter tourists, or, and this is even more serious, 
spark interest among poachers. So you could have people going out in the country just looking for things to kill. Also, that's dangerous for your everyday person because hunting, like, I'm not. That's why hunters wear these orange hats and shit so that you can see them. Safety measures are going about. Oh yeah, I mean, there's seasons so that not enough. There's there's how many hunters can be in a certain area. There's seasons of when you can kill certain animals so that you don't Mm -hmm. affect the population adversely. You gotta wear your orange hat because. Mm That way people can see you. I mean, there's there's so many, yeah. like, there's a proper way to do things. And it, I um, feel like if you say there's big cats, there's going to be the nut jobs that aren't safe that go about free-ranging and have an accident. He said that there was one farmer that um, went to one of his meetings and gave him, in quotes, absolutely 10 out of 10 quality video footage of a puma on his land. Wow. Apparently... Last month, and this came out a couple months ago, so this was a couple months ago, there have been 155 big cat sightings reported to the UK police in the past three years. So as of like a couple months ago, 155 in the past three years, which is crazy. This is weird. Um, There's apparently been paw prints, remains of kills that could only be from big cats because... I guess the way that they hunt, the way they kill, it's a certain way, you know. Um. Can I say something? We just talked about Bigfoot, right? Yeah. Then we talked about aliens. Now we're talking about alien big cats, whatever they're called. I just feel like we're at a point where things are so weird and we're becoming more weird. Oh, we are more weird. More aware of how weird everything is. Why wouldn't you not believe it, but, like, be open-minded that anything is possible? And you know because, what? like, he's making a good point. In this particular situation, he's saying it's not anything to do with supernatural effect, but yeah. it's still super weird that enough dangerous, not uh, natural to the surrounding cats are out there that they're breeding and becoming kind of like their like, own why population. are there so many? And why are there so many, but, like... That is still a weird thing. The thing I love about this guy, too, is he's he's documenting it so he can come up with information like this. Also, it's all fun and games until someone gets killed mysteriously by a mountain lion and they yeah, live in the suburbs. True. Oh, I know. He said the main candidate for most UK sightings is a leopard, a black leopard. These are 80% of them. Uh, the, another 15 are a sandy-browned mountain lion. And 5% are smaller lynx with pointy ears and short tails. He thinks that 80% of the reports are credible. He believes that UK big cats are naturalizing and becoming distinctly British, and there is a healthy population... You walk in on them having tea. (laughs) (laughs) And they look awkward. Like, no! (laughs) They're in the kitchen stealing sugar. They're they're like that... that, uh, that friend that went to, like, the UK for a summer and comes back with a little bit of an accent. Oh, my God. I love... Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Quick story, quick story. So, my cousin... <laughs> my cousin, at one point, lived in Scotland. Yeah. And she... Or, or the UK, something. And she lived there for, like, a year. She, like, met her husband there. I don't know, something, something, something. Point is, she came back and we had to all act fucking natural. That she just had a full-on <laughs> accent. And all I could think was, like, the part that made me feel weirder than the fact that she had the accent and was doing it was that 
her husband, who fucking knew she was American, I'm sure when they met, she spoke the way she spoke, yeah. developed it. When you turn to the one you love and be like, why are you, what's happening right now? Yeah. Like It takes a long time for people to like, sort of have an accent. The only thing I've noticed is that Irish people and UK people, I guess you can include Scottish people, but it's more Irish and UK I've heard. If they do something like YouTube related or something where they're speaking a lot, no matter how northern or kind of country they are, their accents where they're like really thick, it will start to kind of be more distinguished and you can hear it. Kind of like more of an English, not a full on posh kind of accent where it's like a, because each section has, region has its particular accent. Yeah. But specifically, um, the, you, you, it will sound more distinct and you can hear them more, but you still can tell that they are Irish. You can still tell that they're UK. So I can understand a certain level of adapting something but there's no excuses as an American to just suddenly fucking start sounding British but only like like I think a good example of that is I like I don't know the, if she's um, still doing it or she moved to another country and she's now got that the, accent the girl who plays Elaine in Love Witch kind of has an accent but I think that's because she was like born here but then grew up in the UK and then like moved back here I or do something know like that and it's kind that. of like that's why it's like that's why actually she was perfect for the role cuz she really talks like her role she had a mid atlantic almost kind of almost with and a mid atlantic accent is very like british sounding yeah when she talks in interviews though it sounds more british so I feel like maybe she downplayed that for the well, role, I knew but it was pretty. It was like a pretty natural fit that her voice was naturally very like I don't know like like big and like yeah. Dis- like I don't know how to pronounce how to describe it like kind that. Of like very like big and like uh, delicate almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what, you know what I'm talking saying. about. I knew a kid um, in my grade when I was younger um, where she was American. She spoke you know English normally, but her I didn't. I found out later that both of her parents were British, so technically she was born here, but she lives. She did live a portion of them, so when she would go home, she'd switch into a British accent, which is so weird and interesting because yeah. people, when you think of bilingual families, you don't think of it in that way. Yeah, because it's not really bilingual. It's like bi-accent. But isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Anyway, so, but this is really interesting. The fact that he believes that these UK big cats are becoming more adapted to their environment where they're changing characteristics. Nice. He hasn't gotten... I don't think that this article he wanted like to get... He wants to warn everyone. He wants to half study it. I really <laughs> want to know more about this because this didn't dive really deep into how, but I'd like to know, like, what attributes are they maybe starting to develop that's different? Mm-hmm. You know, and he says that the reason why they probably do so well is that the winters are not as harsh as the, most of the mountain lions would have to face in America. So... They they deal with the warmth anyway, the hot summers. Yeah. I feel like in general, the UK is mo- more temperate. Like, they have warmer winters than us. They do. I'm not very familiar with uh, Yeah, yeah. They have the Gulf, they have the Gulf Stream. You're um, the weather nerd. All I know is that there is a warming current that exists... From the Gulf of Mexico, and it goes through the Mediterranean and up as far as the UK. And even though the UK is about the same northern point as maybe like Maine, which is really fucking cold, its weather is more mild. Typically, warmer summers, I mean, warmer winters and cooler summers. 
So you take an animal that's used to, like, mountain lions from anywhere in the country. They're used to frigid winters. And even in Maine, the summers can be really, really hot. It's not crazy for it to be, like, 90 degrees up there in the summer. So you take animals that are used to warmer summers and colder winters, and you put them in a more temperate climate, they're going to do great. You know, and beyond that, they have they, they have they have plenty of uh, of deer and prey. He believes in the countryside oh, for them to yeah. eat. So they're doing really well. It's probably why they're thriving. It's why they're breeding. More. Can you imagine the hunters that are out there, like being like, "Okay, we're gonna go hunt some deer," and then they're attacked unintended, unexpected because they weren't prepared. I think for that, that that's that's. I think that's the, a big concern. Like, like we need to, need to talk discuss about it. This. <laughs> Let's talk about this. <laughs> Well, I absolutely loved your story. I loved your story. Oh, okay. It was very animal focused today, which yeah. I which I like. We love animals yeah, over here. Yeah, we do. Um, I just wanted to take this moment to remind everybody: Are you subscribed yet? You totally should, and you should tell a friend or share us on Twitter. We have a Twitter; it's in the description down below. Um, because we just love doing this podcast so much, and I hope you enjoyed doing it too. But we also want to let you know that we have a Patreon, also in the description down below, and we posted our first secret episode. So we have, um, we talked about Stranger Things, and talked about the ecosystem of the Upside Down, and what that means, and talking about the cryptid of the Mind Flare, and so on and so forth, and the kind of evolution of these animals, and what it means. So we talked about that, and I think you'd be really interested in it, and we're going to talk about some other stuff so there's gonna be some fun secret episodes um we're gonna be doing interviews soon and put snippets of the interviews there so it's just a bunch of awesome fun content and a great way of supporting the show for like as as little as a dollar you have episode to the uh, you have you have episode now as little as a dollar you have access to the secret episodes so please consider helping us uh grow and be able to do this more often more full time um we would just appreciate it so much but either way thank you so much for listening we appreciate your